My name is Kirk Dunn, and this is the Knitting Pilgrim Talks. I'm an actor, writer, and knitter, and I'm also known as the Knitting Pilgrim. I earned that title because in 2003, I was awarded an Ontario Arts Council Chalmers Grant to knit stitched glass, an installation of three large panels designed in the style of stained glass windows, which look at the commonalities and the conflicts between the three Abrahamic faiths. Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. They took me 15 years to knit. And when the project was complete, my wife Claire and I wrote a play called The Knitting Pilgrim about my experience knitting stitch glass and my research into interfaith relations. One thing that wasn't covered in the play was the meaning behind the imagery in the knitted panels. So, this series explores each section in conversation because, ultimately, the project is about having conversations with empathy and curiosity about how we understand and sometimes misunderstand each other. Welcome to the Knitting Pilgrim Talks. Today, we'll be looking at a section of the Judaic window and at as a reminder, the, the framework for the Jake window is the is a Star of David. And inside that Star of David are images that evoke um, the positive aspects of the faith, whereas the, the images that are outside the star um, refer to more challenging issues or, or questions. And today's section is inside the star, and it, uh, it is talking about the, the Sabbath or, uh, or Shabbat. You can see it in the, in the bottom left point of the star, um, there are some images there of a loaf of bread or challah and a pair of candlesticks and a goblet of wine. And these are all items that are a big part of the meal that begins Shabbat. But, uh, but Shabbat is much more than just a, a dinner. Um, it's a, a, a day of rest, uh, contemplation and, um, recreation. And it's, um, I, I think of it as one of the true gifts that Judaism has given the world. And it's, uh, unfortunately, it's a gift uh, that most of us don't really take the time to understand or fully appreciate or, or enjoy. And um, to talk uh, to us about what we're missing, I am very happy to welcome Ralph Benberge. Most of us uh, know Ralph as an award-winning broadcaster he is also an ordained spiritual advisor and as a spiritual uh, a director I, I guess is the is the technical term as a spiritual a director he um he offers one-on-one -on -one spiritual companionship to facilitate personal and spiritual growth in a safe and caring environment he also hosts a couple of podcasts uh for the canadian jewish news and one of my personal favorites not that kind of rabbi He's uh, just finished production of The Spark, which is a series of specials for Yes TV, and he has a spiritual memoir coming out this fall titled I Thought He Was Dead. <laughs> so he also has a background in comedy, if I didn't mention that. Uh, Ralph Ben-Murgy, welcome to the Indian Pilgrim Talks. Thank you, Kirk. I appreciate it. I really do. So, um... Sabbath or Shabbat. Um, I'm wondering if if you could just start off with a, I guess a an overview of just what what um, Sabbath is, and then maybe I could um, get you to 
some take us through the significance of these images that I've uh, that I've included in the tapestry. But so there is some version of Sabbath in um, some religions. In Islam, Friday is the day to go to the mosque, um, and it's seen that way. And uh, in the Christian faith, of course, Sunday was unofficially the Sabbath, uh, the day that we're all supposed to go to church. Um, but the Jewish tradition of Sabbath, there's a, a beautiful book by Abraham Joshua Heschel um, that re- it's called The Sabbath. It's not a big book, but it's a beautiful book. And what he describes really is the architecture of time in the Jewish faith. That ours is a portable religion. We, we've had to be on the move for 2,000 years as a diaspora. So usually when we start really digging in and making nice, big, beautiful synagogues, things don't go well after that. So we try to avoid it. Uh, and one of the things that we've done is be a people of the book. And in that book, the most important piece uh, of Torah, uh, of Scripture, is do Sabbath. So it's six days in your life in the week of doing things and one day of being And in that being is supposed to be the contemplative piece of life. It's interesting if you talk to Jewish kids who grew up with a a Sabbath in an observant home, and I I did, um, we really saw it as a restriction. You can't do this and you can't do that. You can't, you know, my mother had to cook the meal uh, before Friday sunset. And we had the oven on warm all through the day and a big, you know, water kettle for for tea that was just on all the time because you can't start a fire. You can't work. You can't create art. You can't do errands. Um, And for a lot of us who are really tied up in a material world and a material life, this is just two things. One is, don't tell me what to do. And the the other one is, um, but I have to get these things done. Like, I just don't have enough, I don't have the time to take time off. Uh, And what we lose is, well, just imagine if you just took your phone, turned it off, God forbid, for 25 hours, from sunset, an hour after sunset on a Friday night to an hour after sunset on a Saturday. And you just didn't use it. Now, to people today, that's just unheard of. That's insane. And yet, when I was a kid, uh, like if you weren't home and the phone rang, you weren't home when the phone rang. That was just that. Uh, and o- almost all the time, you didn't really miss that much. But we, you know, I saw a kid going on a motorized skateboard down my street a few days ago, not even looking where he was going, totally plugged into his phone and then talking on his phone as he's riding. And I'm thinking, you're not here. You're you're always somewhere else, and we're always somewhere else. We're always on a to-do list. So there's something in it that I think is a gift that really, it's a shame that we don't take advantage of it, because imagine if we had that time and said, I'm just going to hang out with my family or my friends or myself. Uh, I'm going to take that walk that I keep thinking I should take that takes an hour and a half, because... The way it was structured in our home is you had dinner on a Friday night. Side note, 
were Sephardic, were Spanish Jews from North Africa. So I'm a Moroccan from Tangiers. I was born there. We were there for hundreds of years, and then before that we were from southern Spain before we got kicked out. And um, we always had salmon on Friday nights. And one day I, I hear on the radio, I don't know how old I was, maybe 12 or something, and I hear on the radio that the Catholic Church has said you no longer have to eat fish on a Friday night. And I said to my mother, hey, they do what we do. And my mother said, no, no, we do what they do. Where do you think we got that from? We got that from Catholics in Spain. So there's cross-pollination. But we would have the dinner on a Friday night, uh, and then I'd beg to go out with my friends. Uh, I had one friend who couldn't go out, no matter what. But Saturday morning, I had to go to synagogue. And then after synagogue, you go home and you have, like, there's always some food after the service, because our service isn't an hour long, it's three and a half hours long. So you better feed people at the end, or you're going to have some hangry people leaving that synagogue. So it's kiddush, kiddush. And the kiddush is where you really sit with the community and just get to know people, say hi to people you've known for 20 years, just beautiful stuff. And then you have the whole afternoon to yourself. My dad always used to fall asleep. He'd always have a little bit of whiskey at, at lunch when we came home uh, from a 24-hour stew that we would eat because he couldn't cook that day, right? right? And then we'd he'd fall asleep in, in, in the chair, uh, and I'd just, I don't know, just puttered. And we didn't have to do that much. And if you wanted something to eat after that for dinner, you just went to the fridge and made it yourself because you, my mother had had enough by then. And then the day's over, and out you go. In Israel, the end of the Sabbath in Jerusalem in the old city is just hilarious because the second it's over, all the shutters come up on the stores and everybody's selling stuff again because they haven't been able to do it for 24 hours. But what I love about it is restraint as much as anything. In all great religions, there are rituals of restraint. Ramadan... Yom Kippur for the Hebrew faith, the, the Day of Atonement where you, you don't eat for 25 hours, um, to deprive yourself of what you take for granted. And Sabbath has that element to it of you can't just keep chewing away at this thing. It's not sustainable. And when you fold in the work I've been doing in environmental work, I've been working with environmental political parties and uh, NGOs for years, on, on the reality of the changing climate and the extractive capitalism that is just chewing away at the earth with, with no backup. Imagine if we took the one day. Everyone in the world took a Sabbath. One-seventh less energy consumption in that day. You don't drive all over the place like a maniac. You don't have all your powered stuff up. You're not taking. You're giving to your family. You're giving to yourself. You're giving time to think about the greater idea of what is this? I was reading something last night, nine billion trillion stars. That's the estimate of the universe. Nine billion trillion stars. I think it's worth bending your knee to that and reflecting on it and realizing you're just a little thing on a little thing in the middle of nowhere. You're not the biggest thing in the movie. So that's some of the things that Sabbath mean to me. Oh, that's great. Uh, thanks for that. Now, as far as where it, 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 uh, it came from, it, it is the, it, it's the only uh, ritual that's mentioned in the Ten Commandments, if I got that right. So yes. it's, like you said, it's, it's that important. It's, oh, yeah. It's, yeah, be, no, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's the queen bee of, of 
of, of Torah. Right. And it's about um, that, that resting and that contemplation. And I've also heard it um, uh, said that it's about not uh, engaging or, you know, I mean, uh, God uh, spent those six days creating things. And this is about um, not creating. And so not engaging, not, um, I guess it, our version of that, we may not be creating things, but we're, we are engaging with our environment. Like you said, we're using it. We're, um, we're exploiting it or we're changing it or we are you know, manipulating it somehow. And so this one, this one day is about taking a break from them from that. And just, uh, like you said, I guess, uh, appreciating what we've got as opposed to just using it the entire time. Yeah. Think of it as zooming out. You zoom right. out from this life that you take so seriously Right. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 And my, my experience in the Christian church, by, by the time, uh, you know, I was growing up and, and our Sabbath, what we called the Sabbath was the Sunday because that's, uh, that switch over became, uh, came because of the resurrection that, uh, Christ, uh, rose from the dead on the, on the Sunday. And so that we moved our Sabbath over in that direction. Um, it was, uh, it was not as, um, uh, structured as it used to be. I mean, I, I read, uh, heard stories from my father and uh, and from other people about um, just how structured some Protestant uh, denominations had it. Like you just you you stayed in your good clothes from church all day long. You sat in the pantry. You didn't do anything. You couldn't go. You know, you couldn't go with your friends. You just had to sit there and and kind of be be miserable. Which, as you say, um, <laughs> is not really the intention. I mean, it sort of defeats the purpose, and I, th I think, uh, and I wonder what what can we do uh, that makes I mean that makes it less about following rules and more about uh, uh, enjoying. Uh, oh, the experience. okay. So that, that's to me that's a tricky question because part of it is you know is this entertaining enough for you? Is this amusing enough for you? Am I am I keeping you happy? Am I uh, making sure that you don't get bored? But there's a real advantage to getting bored, uh, and there's a real advantage to to not seeing everything as having to be. Well, how do you make sure I'm okay about this? It, it's supposed to be a time where where you enter into gratitude for all those things that you take for granted. The fact that you can, in this uh, particular iteration of society in North America, uh, above a certain threshold of money making, you can eat any fruit any time year round. Just think about that. Tropical fruit in the dead of winter. And what do we do? We go, well, this one isn't that ripe. No, it's not. It, it came from 3,000 miles <laughs> away in a truck. Yeah. And no, it's not actually in season. So we're not in tune. We're still, if we're still taking, then Sabbath is really, you know, oh, come on. I mean, I've got, to, I got to get to Costco. You know, I need a four yeah. gallon Jamocha almond fudge wheel, <laughs> you know. So yeah. it's a chance to just say, like, if you're just sitting at home staring at each other, bored, you're probably better off finding other friends and family outside of pandemic times. Um, to be with. We used to get, to, I had a lot of cousins, we all got together, we all hung out. Uh, the kids annoyed each other, the parents annoyed each other. Uh, <laughs> if the kids came into the room where the parents were, the parents said, get out of here. 
you know, because they had, you know, <laughs> God forbid they actually get some time to just be adults. Uh, but everybody got together. It was a social stew. Uh, and we all got to not talk about, you know, work and school and all that stuff, but just hang. Uh, and being with yourself is something, it's really hard for me, it's really hard for everybody. You go downstairs, you turn on the radio the minute you walk into the kitchen. God forbid you should be alone, right? So it's a deconditioning program as much as anything. It, it, it's just stop living life in a reflex action and do it uh, as a proactive event that you have control over and think of the bigger things. Life is very short. We're in the, a blink in the eye of God. That's all we are. We take it so seriously. We're, we're indignant if we're going to die. How? Oh, come on. Yeah. I mean, I get that you're going to die, but <laughs> come on. I'm not in that club. So it's a good time <laughs> to be able to just get out of yourself and see that there is a universe around you that is a miracle. When people say, I don't believe in miracles, what are you talking about? Like, take a walk in the forest and see a, tr a, a sapling growing out of a dead tree. That's a miracle. It's all a miracle. It's just a question of whether you're available to what's actually going on or you're really, really stuck in a personal narrative of life. And that takes, what I'm hearing you say is that uh, it takes an effort, uh, an effort that we don't kind of we're not uh, accustomed to um, uh, making we're, we're accustomed to keep making enough to keep ourselves busy and happy and engaged and interested and entertained and we're addicted we're addicted to desire exactly you're talking about the effort to uh, be challenged by boredom yes and uh, sit across from the person you see every day and think okay well I mean yeah I mean look think of it as consumers anonymous Right? Mm. That just occurred to me while you were talking. I just thought, right. We, we, we are in a society where you are never good enough. You are never enough. But if you buy this, you're getting closer. Not quite there, mm -hmm. but you're getting closer. So we are addicted to our consumptive society. And this is a way to go cold turkey once a week. So it's not going to be easy. If you've ever had, I used to smoke cigarettes. It, wasn't, it was really, really hard to quit. It's really, really hard to not think you need one more thing and you better go get it today. I mean, I remember in Canada when uh, Sunday shopping came in. I think it was in the Maritimes yeah. that came in first. And I thought, what a pity yeah. that the Christian society that I live in, which is 87% Christian, I, I think, still, uh, Christian society I live in, hasn't had the sense to keep their Sabbath. They've just thrown it out the window, made people work on that day and the weekend, have us running around so that every day is shopping day. And I just thought it was a shame. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I oh, I remember those days as well. And I remember um, uh, it was you know, there were some people in the church who wanted to keep it. And, and then a lot of the, uh, the labor unions wanted to keep it. Because um, you know they they needed uh, some time off, and they and and they predicted, I think, um, that uh, the um, the sales wouldn't go up. Like it's not you know, the companies aren't going to make any more money; they're just going to make it over yeah. an extended uh, note. And that's yeah. exactly what happened. No, nobody. We didn't go to the stores more often. Technically, we just went at different times, and now that time was on Sunday. And you're right. I think looking back. 
um, I think we lost something and I can't imagine how we can ever, you know, get that back. Yeah, I, I remember I interviewed, uh, I was lucky that I got to interview Leonard Cohen a few times in my life. Um, and we were talking about, uh, he just spent six years at a Zen monastery in uh, California. And uh, so I I'd interviewed him before, so we kind of knew each other a bit. And I said, wow, like, so like, you're a Buddhist now. Like, he was ordained as a monk. So I said, you're a Buddhist now. And he said, no, I'm not, I'm a Jew. I said, but you, you just spent six years becoming a, a, a monk. Like, what do you mean? He said, Ralph, I'm a Jew, I'll always be a Jew, it's what I am. I said, but one of the things I've learned is if you want sacredness in your life, you got to build a fence around it. You got to protect it. You got to grow the garden and not have people just trample all over it, including you. And the Sabbath is just that. It's just having to build a fence around the sacred part of your life so that it does reoccur. Because right now I'm doing a workshop on how to create a spiritual toolkit. And the first thing I, 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 I talk to people about is make yourself a Sabbath. I don't care what day of the week it is. You know, if Monday is your day off because you're in the restaurant business, then hey, Make it a Sabbath. Don't make it the day you get to do all the things you didn't get to do all the other six days. Because we're, what do people talk about? Like it's nothing. Burnout. That's what they talk about. I'm burnt out, right? Yeah. No. It's, uh, my father was a minister, Presbyterian minister, and his his Sabbath was Monday because, of course, he like he used to say, I don't have to work one day of the week, just on Sundays. It's the only only day I work. But uh, no, he would take the uh, the Monday off, and. Um, yeah, protect that for sure. Yeah. I'm wondering if you can um, help me go through these images that I've chosen uh, and just to talk about you know, what they are and, and what they represent within the within the the Sabbath uh, the meal. The, so the, the the bread and the candlesticks and the wine. Can you give us any background on on what those images uh, represent? Sure. First off, I just want to say your work is fantastic. Oh, it's really inspiring. I love it. I'm, I'm looking at it right now on my screen, uh, uh, on all three Abrahamic faiths, and it's just beautiful. Uh, and the, the the core Hebrew letters in the middle of your Jewish star, your Magen David, is Adonai Yud Hey Vav Hey. It is the un in in Judaism, God is unknowable. So the, you, the best you can do is put in a sub, you know, kind of a substitute for the so that you have something to say. But basically, you're saying it's unknowable. We don't have uh, a Jesus iconography. Uh, right. At times, we wish some of us wish that we had somebody <laughs> we could talk to directly. But uh, we find our way anyway. So when it comes to the Sabbath part, the wine, the bread. So in my life, what happened, interestingly enough, is um, my wife and I, I went and did a, a TV uh, series for Vision TV a while back called Five Seekers, about five people who were spiritually seeking but had given up on religion. And we went to Sedona, Arizona and Cortez Island, British Columbia, where there were a lot of New Age things going on <clears throat> to give people an experience, uh, all kinds of experiences, really that were spiritual, to see if it resonated with any of them or helped them to grow outside of religion. Interestingly enough, by the way, the, we had hundreds of applicants, but I would say 
a, a, a good 65% of the people who, who applied, if not more, were Roman Catholic, lapsed Catholics, which are very interesting. Wow. Judaism and Catholicism have a fair amount in common in terms of your, you measure yourself and the proximity or distance you have to the faith because it is, in essence, an Orthodox faith. So, um, anyway, one of the places we went was Hollyhock in Cortez Island, B.C., which is a fascinating place with tons of curriculum. Uh, and at the place, there was a flyer that said, uh, come for Shabbat dinner uh, any Friday night. Anyone and all are welcome. And our chase producer, who was there on the shoot, uh, saw this and called her up and said, can we come? We do have cameras, but can we come? And she was like, sure. So we get there, and the first thing we realize is she's not Jewish. She's not Jewish, and the house has all these different religious iconographies around it. It's like Stations of the Cross, but of all the different religions. (laughs) And I'm thinking to myself, why is she doing this? It's a Friday night, too. Like, why is she doing this if she's not Jewish? And she said somebody once that she met was Jewish and did it, and she thought it was the most brilliant thing ever. So she had wine and candles and bread right. uh, and a very simple meal uh, because she didn't know who was coming and she wasn't rich. And we all sat together and had her version of a Sabbath. And I went home after the show was shot, and I said to my wife, we went to Shabbat dinner at this house. It was we should really start doing our own Shabbat because what happens is you grow up doing one thing and you have to decide for yourself how to reinvent your faith and how to reinvent your stuff. My wife's a humanist. I'm I'm a religious person. My wife's a humanist. So she wasn't interested in, and I wasn't interested in imposing on her that it should be done the way we'd done it in Morocco. But there were things that were worth doing there. So we decided that the first, what we would do is we would... Um, light the candles. Uh, We had people come over every other week or every week sometimes. Some of them were Jewish and some of them weren't. And this was in Toronto. And we we eventually had tons of people who wanted to come and came and it was great. Um, But we would light the candles and we would explain that, you know, it's six days of doing and one day of being and what Shabbat means to us. Uh, And we'd sing, you know, the prayer. to light the candles to start the Sabbath because the candles are to uh, illuminate and bring you to an awakened state. Snap out of your work stupor and you're here. Now it's sacred time. So you demarcate with the lighting of candles. So we would do that and then what I would say to people I'd say, and I, I would start we're going to do blessings around the table and some people would be like, oh my god, is he serious? And others were, had come before and were, had been thinking about it all week, what they were going to say. And I would start and I would, for instance, if I was doing a blessing based on the events that have just happened when we were taping this or recording this, I would, I would bless the family in London, Ontario, who were run over by uh, that young man uh, and the community of faith from which they came and the community of London that came together for them. So I would give them a blessing, and then I would bless the children, the 215 children who, whose bodies were have been found underground in Kamloops, and our treatment of our indigenous brothers and sisters. 
But then I would also bless my wife for being my rock, for being the woman who um, has brought so much love and inspiration to me in my life. So that would be my blessing. And then the next person would go, oh, I guess I really have to mean this. <laughs> and so they do. And sometimes you, you would have somebody go, I, I want to bless my mother who's not doing well. She's not well. And I have to visit her next week. Uh, I really miss her, and I'm really scared about how it's going for her. And that, that everybody would have a blessing of some kind. Some people would just bless that they got a new job, and, they, and, and they're loving it, and they're so excited. Um, and then when we finish that, two things. One thing is, for the rest of the evening, everything has changed. We're now actually on sacred ground. We're now actually dealing with each other as real people with real lives, not going, did you see the new show on Netflix? Right? And then killing the evening with that and then leaving. It's like going to somebody's 50th birthday and nobody says, let's give tribute to this person. You just hang out together, have a couple of drinks, eat some food and leave. Who cares? Sometimes you have to be conscious about your rituals. So the next part of the ritual is the bread, the challah. My wife makes a beautiful challah. Um, and I'm not just saying that. Everybody who eats it is like, oh my God, this is fantastic. So the way we do it, we don't cut pieces of bread. We rip off a piece of bread. You dip it in salt to remember the years of slavery and struggle and to be grateful that you, that you are not there now or cognizant of the fact that in many ways you are enslaved by whatever it is in your life. And what we do in the Moroccan tradition is we throw the bread to the people around the table according to their age. Now, if it's your family, who cares? Everybody knows everybody's age in a family. But when you're around with friends and people, some people you don't even know that well, they're mortified because we have stigmatized <laughs> aging, right? Age is a horrible thing you should never admit. No one should ever grow old, right? So, so do, do the oldest people get it first? Is that yes. what it is? Or? So oh, it's yes. oldest okay. to youngest. There you go. Uh, in the, the way we grew up, which was a sexist environment, it was men and then women. But I have absolutely nothing to do with that. I'm an egalitarian in every way in my faith. So we would, we, I throw the bread and people are like, well, how old are you? And then you'd see them staring at the table and go, oh, I'm 47. What are you ashamed of? You've, you've made 47 years out of it. Not bad. Here's the bread. So we throw it to everybody, and then the youngest gets it. And then you've really done something else, which is made a communal bread. It's, it, I guess it's a bit like communion. <laughs> and, then, and then the last thing is the, the glass of wine, and everybody says to life, l'chaim. And, and you drink the wine, and then the dinner gets served. And as a Sabbath, what a great thing to do. Uh, you know, on my deathbed, I will say that doing Sabbath is something that is the, one of the highlights of my life. So that's the bread, that's the hollow, the wine, and the candlesticks in your tapestry. Oh, that's great. Thank you. That's, uh, that, that really brings uh, some, some beautiful focus to that. So. Thanks for that, and and your uh, and your personal experience there. <laughs> I can imagine. I just imagine bread flying all over the place and people Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you miss. <laughs> yeah, it lands Which in I somebody's think makes, wine. 
Yeah. Makes it uh, From makes it downtown. exciting. <laughs> Go along. That's right. Yeah. That's great. Ralph, uh, it has been fantastic having you uh, here, and thank you for your insight and uh, and your thoughts, and I really appreciate that. Now, as far as how people can get in touch with you if they, they need to, I, you know, certainly they can download, not that kind of rabbi, the podcast from anywhere, right? It's anywhere, pretty much yeah. anywhere we can get podcasts. It's a fantastic podcast. Uh, thank you. I, I've been following it. I think I think I caught, I think I caught onto it when you had like five um, episodes, about five episodes, yeah. and then have been listening to it ever since. It's really outstanding work. Please, thank you very much. Please keep that up. That's great. Yeah. So to get in touch, there's several ways you can do it. You can find me on Facebook or Twitter, and you can message me or d- direct message me on Twitter if you'd like. So Ralph Ben Mergi, B E N M E R G U I. It's Spanish grammar, so gui at the end is not gooey, as my <laughs> public school teachers used to say. Uh, but ralphbenmergi <laughs> at gmail.com as well. Um, and the the Not That Kind of Rabbi is also on Patreon. So patreon.com, which is a funding mechanism, slash NTKR, Not That Kind of Rabbi, NTKR. So if you want to donate uh, after you've listened, uh, I'm very grateful for anybody who does that. And for my spiritual uh, counseling, uh, I have uh, individual clients. I do workshops occasionally uh, with organizations, but individual counseling really means a lot to me and helping people to create their own spiritual toolkit to get through their lives in different ways and to grow personally and spiritually and the yearning that people have for that is something I really care about. So for that, go to my Gmail ralphbenmergi at gmail.com and I'm glad to do a consultation with you at no charge and uh, see if we're a good fit and we can work together. I work uh, sometimes for a long time with people and sometimes not that long but we always have such a meaningful time together. Wonderful. Ralph, thanks so much. Thank you. This has been an episode of the Knitting Pilgrim Talks. We'd like to thank the Ontario Arts Council for their support of this conversation series and their funding of Stitch Class, and the Toronto Arts Council and the Canada Council for the Arts for their support of the Knitting Pilgrim Show. If you'd like to hear more conversations like this about interfaith matters, Stitch Class, and knitting, please check out our episodes at kirkdunn.com or the Knitting Pilgrim YouTube channel.